Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Whether you live in Baton Rouge, work in Baton Rouge, or just pass through Baton Rouge every now and then, you have experienced the capital region's notorious gridlock. Baton Rouge ranks among the very worst mid-sized cities in the nation for traffic congestion, and business leaders last year in a Chamber of Commerce survey said traffic is the single biggest problem facing Baton Rouge. The issue commanded a lot of attention last year during the governor's race, and there's been a lot of talk about what could and should be done. But will anything happen? Today on Out to Lunch, we have three of the capital region's most seasoned experts on the subject. They each have a unique perspective on this overwhelming problem and have all put a lot of thought into how to solve it. Scott Kirkpatrick is an attorney and lobbyist with Rodell Parsons, who cut his teeth in the offices of former U.S. Senator John Bro, former Congressman Richard Baker, and former Governor Kathleen Blanco. With his government affairs background, Scott has found himself at the helm of a group that's trying to address Capital Region gridlock. It's called Capital Region Industry for Sustainable Infrastructure Solutions, or CRISIS. And Scott and his colleagues on the committee have fashioned a wish list of big-ticket infrastructure projects and are now working on ways to make at least some of them a reality. Scott, welcome to Out to Lunch. Great, thanks so much for having me. We're glad you're here. Next is Perry Franklin, president and founder of Franklin Associates, a consulting firm that specializes in community outreach, community affairs, redevelopment, and transportation issues. Lately, Perry has been spearheading a series of community meetings about the widening of Interstate 10 here in Baton Rouge. The meetings are the first step in a lengthy process the federal government requires before undertaking any such project. Perry has his finger on the pulse of the community with respect to this issue. Perry, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. And rounding out our discussion group today is Wilfred Barry, president of the SJB Group, a local engineering firm that offers turnkey services in land surveying, parks and planning, site development, utility systems, and transportation, among other things. Wilford is also a lifelong resident of Baton Rouge who's given a lot of thought to the region's transportation woes and has some interesting insights on the issue. So, Wilford, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. And thank you all so much for joining me. I've been looking forward to this discussion because this is such a major issue here and it's all you hear people talk about. Scott, I want to start with you because Crisis recently released its list of 19 projects, all new highways or highway expansion type projects, new bridge across the river, multi-billion dollar stuff. And, and y'all measured it very scientifically, which one offers the best return on the investment using a very specific metric. What did you come up with, or what did the group come up with, and, and which projects offer the best bang for the buck? Sure, so we did, uh, looked really, uh, started out with probably about 40 projects with uh, various ideas coming in from across the parish. 
parishes, the five parish uh, region around the capital region, whittled it down to about 18 that we did this cost-benefit analysis that you talked about. Based on that, there were really four major projects that, that uh, had kind of the best return on the investment. Uh, the top one was what we referred to as kind of the Ascension commuter route. That's e either widening I-10 from basically Highland Road out to Sorrento uh, or widening Airline Highway in, in a similar uh, 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 aspect. Uh, the second was a south bridge, um, south of what we call referred to as the new bridge, although mm -hmm. it's not so new, the Horace Wilkinson Bridge. Uh, doing a south bridge that would connect with a, a, an improved Highway 30. And how far south are we talking? Well, the, the location of the South Bridge uh, is still up in the air, exactly okay. where that'd be. You know, it's as close to uh, kind of in Brule area or it can be all the way down kind of in the Plaquemine area, so that's still to be determined. Um, uh, the third was the, uh, in, in line with the work of DOTD, this I-10 corridor study that I know Perry is deep into, but uh, the recommendation was one, adding one lane in each direction from the I-10 split all the way to Lobdell. Okay. And, and last uh, recommendation was improving utilization of the US 190 bridge, what we refer to, refer to as the old bridge. And there are a couple projects that would do that, and I think still some uh, work to be done to settle on exactly what that may look like. But the study certainly, certainly showed that there was a good cost-benefit to in, improve utilization of that bridge. And basically this study, they used metrics to, to really measure the effectiveness of these projects, and you all are confident with the data that that these projects would deliver the most bang for the buck. That's right. That's a real important piece that we've tried to introduce into this discussion. You know, coming at this as, as a bi business group, we want to use the data to find those projects that they provide you the best bang for your buck. So looking at the cost versus benefit, benefit measured as congestion relief. Okay, but one of the projects you mentioned was the widening of the I-10 corridor through the city. And Perry, that's something that your firm has been helping the state um, as it moves forward towards exploring this, trying to implement it, what specifically are they looking at and what kind of feedback are you getting from the community? Sure, so I-10 uh, is a federal highway and such you have a process, a prescribed process that you have to follow in order to ultimately make an improvement or an, or an enhancement. And so we're at what's called the stage zero process where you determine if there are substantial impacts to both the environment and to humans. And if those are not there, then you can move on to what's called stage one, where you will really get down and talk about a preferred alternative. So at this point, we're trying to really get the public's input. Uh, we started off with public meetings last fall. We did a significant survey, and you mentioned earlier that this is not only a problem for our city and region, but for really the country. Uh, we did a survey and received over 13,800 uh, completed surveys wow, uh, to talk about our beloved Baton Rouge. And so it just really capitalized and punctuated the situation that we have here in Baton Rouge. Um, for a mid-sized town, we have real issues. And so this study is designed, uh, and I think we're moving right through it. We've had two rounds of public meetings. We've had significant uh, involvement in these public meetings, uh, significant involvement with the survey process. And so the people's voices have been heard. Mm -hmm. uh, from the DOTD perspective, this is one of many projects to try to alleviate traffic. Um, you can't do it alone with I-10. If you look at the I-10 corridor from LA-415 at Lobdale to Essen Lane on both I-10 and 12, that's the study area that we're looking at. Uh, in order to solve this community's 
traffic problem, you would have to uh, significantly impact this community. And so the I-10 project alone uh, will not be uh, the silver bullet because it's not the intent to destroy this community. And when I say destroy the community, uh, many people have said, well, put another bridge next to the existing bridge. If you do that, you're going to have to strap six new lanes on both wow. sides of that bridge. Well, that's a non-starter because we have a built, in, a built community here. Uh, this is not a green field where you can just come in and do as you please. Sure. So it's a regional approach. Uh, the I-10 enhancement project will maximize the existing right-of-way is the thought. Uh, and that one lane eastbound, one new lane westbound with interchange improvements and enhancements will get you there. It will give you the most bang for the buck for I-10. Now that still means you have to look at other projects. One of the main ones that uh, is being talked about, people always say, well, just shut down Washington Street. Right. Well, right. you just can't shut down Washington Street. You can relocate Washington Street and that will solve your problem. If you took it from the right side to the left side, you will keep those individuals who are coming from uh, I-110 from crossing over two, line, two lanes of I-10. By putting it on the left side, that's also where then you can begin the new eastbound lane in Baton Rouge. And so there's many things that are being discussed at Dalrymple. You do not have an eastbound movement. If a person comes into Baton Rouge, exits at Dalrymple mistakenly, how do they get back on the interstate? They have to weave their way through neighborhoods, things of that nature. And so there's many uh, suggestions on the table. Uh, the study will be wrapped up in early summer, and then if found acceptable by DOTD and Federal Highways, it will then roll into the stage one, whereas truly you will come out with an alternative solution, i.e. it might be the one lane. We're talking about all of these potential solutions. Wilfred, you've heard these discussions before. How did we get to this point? Why are things so bad here? Did this community not plan? well enough when it was developed? Did we grow so much bigger than anyone anticipated that we just outgrew our infrastructure? We have outgrown our infrastructure and uh, keep in mind that green light program that we just successfully com completed, I, I, I tip my hat to KIPP uh, on bonding out a sales tax and the city parish essentially said we're never going to be able to wait long enough for the state to fund its share and its improvements that it's supposedly programmed to do. The city parish said we will step in and fund uh, the state's share. So I guess the, uh, the long and short of it is through the years uh, there's not been enough state funding and uh, all over the state. So now we have projects that have been identified and if you don't keep up with uh, the, the, the growth in the list, the dollars that it takes to address those items, it gets, uh, the backlog just grows and, and gets bigger. And now it's at the 12 and $13 billion range. So there's a lot of deferred capital investment in our transportation system statewide. And no uh, local municipality or parish can overcome that gap without a massive uh, tax program. Um, this sort of gets into the fundamental um, uh, structure of how, uh, what sort of independence local government has to, to generate taxes, but by and large, and I think um, Scott could talk to that probably better than I, uh, the state legislature and government keep pretty uh, close grip on what taxes local sure. government can do. And so um, the state has not had the resources to do that uh, over the years, and now we have this big, big backlog. 
Yeah, and Stella, I just mentioned, you know, Wilford, we've also tried several times on, around a loop, you know, way back in the 90s, we had a south and north loop that both died. Right. Again, back in the mid-2000s, we began, I think it was 08 when the, the, the loop process was kicked back in, and then you have in the late 80s, when they had the state's major mega project bill pass the legislature, and Baton Rouge was not able to come together to suggest their project. So I wanted to bring that up, that's the time. That's right. That's the timed project, and that's what led, for instance, to the widening of the Huey P. Long Bridge in New Orleans. I mean, everybody got something out of time. And Baton Rouge got a bridge, as I understand it, that goes from St. Francisville <laughs> to new roads, basically, that nobody uses. And that's just a boondoggle project and an example of how we were so screwed by our, our own capital delegation that didn't come together to do anything. Is that an accurate assessment, or am I being harsh? Well. I'm not certain about the assessment, but uh, the inability for us to have uh, or gain consensus on one set of regional projects, I think, has uh, sort of been our Achilles heel in this region. And our hope is that we can get the leadership to jail around a, uh, a sort of a priority list because you then need to take this to Washington, D.C. Uh, Congressman Graves is on the Transportation Committee, and, and so we do have a member who is very well engaged on this process. But everyone that I speak with, all of the local leaders all say, Perry, what is that list? What does that short list look like so we can all get behind it? And so I think there's a thirst and a desire, and we have learned from previous failed attempts uh, of what it's going to take. Because these projects that we're talking about are billions of dollars, not millions of dollars. You know, if you just put one lane eastbound, one lane westbound from LA 415 to Essen Lane, with the exception of the bridge, you're talking 350, 450 million dollars. And that's, that's just for one lane. That's, yeah, that's one project. And these other projects on the crisis list, for instance, the number one project on the top, what was the price tag on that one? Well, the, the, the most expensive certainly is doing a bridge. Anytime you do a bridge, those are the costs there are, are, are tremendous. So you're looking at over a billion dollars to do the South Bridge. Easily um, over a billion. That's huh? right. Um, and then uh, the ch the lowest cost was was the widening of I-10, the kind of Ascension commuter uh, project at about 150 million. Now, you know, one thing we got to think about, and a number of the uh, crisis projects uh, allow for this, is that you know we have tolling as an option, and certainly the South Bridge is a candidate for that. Uh, the um, using the, the US-190 bridge and, and those projects are candidates for that, uh, although something like the Ascension Commuter Corridor or the uh, widening of I-10 really are not uh, candidates because they kind of are on, a, the toll would go on an existing roadway and that, that, that causes problems. When you go to other states, they have toll, toll booths all over yeah. and we really don't in Louisiana. How come? Has it been a, a public opposition to it? Any? Well, we haven't had a, a tradition of tolling. Uh, it's hard to get that going. It's viewed as another tax by the motoring public, and I think Louisiana is averse to taxes. Yes. Uh, and that's a very complicated discussion. So uh, there's never been a first project, um, but in hindsight and in history, uh, we have tolled bridges. That's been a common practice here. Uh, New Orleans bridges have been told. Uh, the Sunshine Bridge uh, has been told, and now tows are off. So um, they could extend that concept onto highways, but we just haven't had the political will to go there yet. There's a there's an opportunity in West Baton Rouge uh, because this project of I-10 um, originates at LA 415 uh, Lobdell exit, 
uh, for the longest, the members of the West Baton Rouge leadership community have been trying to get this LA1, LA415 connector. That's a prime opportunity of a new uh, facility that could be told. Um, there's a significant issue if you get on LA1 and trying to go northbound and when mm -hmm. you get to that bridge at the intracoastal, it's a significant issue. And that would give them relief from that solo or that only bridge that allows people to, to really go from south to north out of West Baton Rouge or Addison Brewery. So that's an opportunity. Even if you do put tolls on the new bridges or the new loop portion of it, you're going to still need a tremendous amount of, of state capital outlay. Yes. And in the current budget climate, how do we even begin that discussion? It's certainly more challenging, but I'll say this. I think there is, you know, uh, when they, when legislators look at their options and they look at revenue raisers, this, this jumps out as a great return on investment compared to so many other opportunities. Across, across Republicans and Democrats, they're hearing in their communities, you know what, I will pay more if I can see this benefit. If you show me and this money's gonna go towards this project, that's something I'm willing to pay for. And so I, you know, even in this environment, I feel optimistic that, that some revenue can be raised uh, to put towards these projects. You know, I used the phrase ROI as you just did, um, but when we talk about a return on investment, typically we're talking about a business seeing a monetary return on the investment. When we're talking about a tr an infrastructure investment, how do you really measure that return? Yeah. Is it some sort of amorphous quality of life thing that shows up on surveys? Or uh, are we talking about businesses will start to look at coming here because yeah. we don't have that in gridlock problem anymore? I'll tell you, that there are a number of factors. You know, one is that it, uh, even when you look at um, when, when business, particularly industry, looks to locate here, they're, they're looking at, hey, how easily can I get to this site? How easily can I move freight around? And as, as congestion increases, a lot of the you know, logistics companies and freight companies, that, that's a concern for them. And you think about one of the advantages Baton Rouge has with the river, that's a tremendous logistical advantage, the rail, a tremendous logistical advantage, and yet we're suffering in our highways as far as the logistical advantage. So I would say that, and, and a lot of the members of crisis can say, look, I can tell you, from, you know, I can tell you how much it costs me to sit in an hour of traffic, you know, and, and tell you what, I'm, I'm willing to pay a little more to make sure my guys don't, don't have to sit in that traffic. And I think it's important for you to mention to people who may not be aware of it, Crisis was really founded by industry, That's by right. the leaders of the plants down on the river that are suffering with this every day, That's right? That's true. A lot, of, uh, a lot of plants that are uh, suffering, we've got the groups like Baton Rouge General and Our Lady of the Lake who have, you know, a large number of employees moving around the region. And, we, and we're in all five parishes, Iberville, West Baton Rouge, East Baton Rouge, Ascension, Livingston. So they, we've got a big business group looking at this thing regionally, and they're all, they're all suffering in some way, whether it be how, how their customers get to them, how their employees get to them, how they move product. It's all suffering. Perry, when you're having these community meetings, I mean, do you really get the great war stories from people? I mean, do you feel that visceral frustration in the stories and the anecdotes that they stand up and tell you? More than you know. Really? <laughs> <laughs> More than you know. Yeah, because people are frustrated, and so they see these public meetings as an opportunity uh, to finally be heard. Um, we're very fortunate that uh, uh, from Secretary Wilson uh, to Eric Calavota, uh, these individuals come to these meetings and participate actively. Um, we had an uh, Addis meeting recently. A gentleman drew up a very elaborate concept of restriping uh, how uh, the bridge could uh, merge with I-110. And, and Dr. Calavota personally accepted that information along with his public comment. Yeah, so people are coming 
armed, they're frustrated, they want to see something happen. And because it's a federal uh, interstate, you can't just get bulldozers and, and, and dump trucks out there tomorrow. And that's the frustrating part about it. But here's the good thing about the alternatives that are being discussed. They are phasable. So as you can receive funding, you can phase in interchange improvement A. As you receive funding, you can phase in uh, interchange improvement B, so on and so forth. Whereas if you did something like a high pass, which is mm -hmm. double decking the interstate, um, which is over $1 billion, it's really a non-starter, but if citizens really pushed that, you would probably have this incomplete superstructure hanging in midair for 10, 12, 14 years until it is completely finished because it's a limited access roadway with no ramps to make it a feasible project. So things like that are a new bridge crossing the river. You have to have all of that funding at one time to initiate those types of projects. Right. So what we're looking at is very feasible. So hopefully once we get through stage one, we go find money in stage two, we can move on with uh, drawings and then get this thing into construction. And hopefully, you know, as soon as six years from now, which is typically about 12 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. So this is a priority project. Um, uh, Secretary Fox is very well aware of it. When the president right. recently visited Baton Rouge, the governor, the mayor, uh, uh, then intimate, they spoke very straightforwardly about the uh, project. We're the only place in America that we can discern or uh, uh, really uh, qualify where I 10 pinches down to one lane. And Isn't you that crazy? I know, I, and, and we suffer from it with um, it every day. It's a one plus one lane there where Washington drops and where Washington drops, it, be, it, it pinches to one. We can't find another example of that. So we have a great story. We have real issues and Hopefully the funding will, will follow these studies. And, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is an issue you know, that, that affects the business community. How important for our economic development is it you know, that we address this traffic situation now? I was told by a local plant manager that the uh, corporation he worked with moved a $5 billion plant expansion from Baton Rouge to Texas because of the transit and transportation problems here. Five billion. Five billion, that's what I was wow. told by a plant manager. And, and that was recently? Recently. See, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, we're, I'm, I've, I've heard similar things, that, that certainly it's a, it's a concern, uh, that it's uh, even as we're going after new companies, that it's a question they want uh, answered. Well, how long before this situation improves, you know? And uh, so it's, um, it's pervading uh, the economic development environment. Are there any um, very short-term or immediate-term solutions? I mean, you're saying six years instead of 12 for some of these in interstate projects. Great, but what about the next 18 months? It has yeah. to be more than a, a ferry, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the relocation, for example, of the Washington Street exit. Yeah. Um, those are the types of feasible improvements that don't have to wait the full course. Now, it is contingent upon federal highways, approval, local match being available, things of that nature. But uh, we have to move something forward to gain uh, the trust of the public. Uh, and a project like that could start that initiative. It could and that show, could start as soon as a year from now? Well, I can't say a year from now because it will probably take longer than that to complete the stage one. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't have to take as long as 
impacting the entire trunk line, let's right. say, because that's a different project of a, uh, of a different kind. Stephanie, we, we're a crisis is aggressively moving into this phase, looking at short-term uh, opportunities. You know, some of the things that have uh, preliminarily been discussed uh, speak to the work hours mm -hmm. of commuters and how, you know, giving people flexibility so that you're not just piling people on the road at rush hour. Right. Uh, also looking at what, where there's opportunities for new technology to come in, whether that be simply some uh, a Waze type app or just, you know, simply some things that uh, help in the car to help people avoid kind of the backup. What about non-capacity building solutions? How important are things like ride sharing or bike lanes or the gondola that the Baton Rouge Area Foundation has talked about, are those realistic solutions that would alleviate, help bring relief? Well, I, I think they're more realistic than most people consider. Um, Baton Rouge Area Foundation is spearheading, um, looking at some things of that nature, bike sharing, car sharing, ride sharing, on-demand rides, uh, trains and trams, urban gondolas, uh, things of that nature. Um, you can't build your way out of this problem. So that's the first thing we ought to understand. If you look at Los Angeles, if you look at places like Houston, you cannot build your way out of this problem. Now we are behind in our infrastructure, so infrastructure has to be addressed. But we also need to start looking at public transit and some mm -hmm. other things. The list is very long and we don't like any of those as, as a culture here. Um, so the challenge is how do you hit the reset button to have people leave their cars at home, uh, you know, I live in Hundred Oaks, and I look at this trolley that runs it, through my neighborhood, I was say and that. it stays empty. I know. And People I'm don't get on it, and it's a wonderful. That was, that was, because there was a human cry from the Garden District to say, "Give it a shot, cats. Do something different. Do something new." Uh, we have to be willing to try. Um, I can remember 1984 at the World's Fair. There was the a gondola that <laughs> The gondola, crossed. sure. If you look at the data, the, 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 the travel data of the number of people who, whose trips uh, originate between Port Allen and Addis each morning and where they terminate each morning, uh, the AM peak, they're going from LSU to Exxon and downtown receives the bulk of those people. Something like an urban gondola crossing the bridge really makes sense. Right. If you just look at the hard data. Mm -hmm. And so because of the I-10 project, I had an opportunity to look at the data. Something like that is an alternative to take cars. We have to take cars off of the roadway because Wilford to tell you, if they put two new lanes, three new lanes onto I-10. They're going to fill up right away. They will be filled because people are then going to get off of arterials and come onto I-10. So we do have to start thinking differently as a community, as well as improve our infrastructure. Well, it is it is very daunting, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you all are encouraged and glad to know that you all are working on this and, and giving it thought. Scott Kirkpatrick, Perry Franklin, and Wilfred Barry, thank you all so much for being with us today. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Scott Kirkpatrick of Crisis, Perry Franklin of Franklin Associates, and Wilfred Barry of SJB Group. You can find out more about Crisis, Franklin Associates, and SJB Group by following the links on our websites, wrkf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. 
Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at MitchellForeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites at itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Thank you.